the most important thing you could share with me today is your perspective. Because the freedom of perspective fuels the logic we use to defend truth. We never stop fighting for freedom and truth, and that is what makes us Americans. Welcome to Critical Thought with Noah Chalaya. News Radio 1310, KNOX 107.9, 103.3 FM. Good morning. It is 9.06.10 above as we make our way to a daytime high of 26 this morning. If you thought you didn't want to purchase an electric vehicle, it may be because you're not educated enough. And GM is going to help you with a new call center to answer consumer questions about battery-powered cars. According to a J.D. Power study, on electric vehicle consideration, around 30% of consumers who reject EVs cite lack of information. As General Motors and its competitors roll out dozens of EV models, the mainstream buyers need to be won over. And they're working through a plethora of anxiety and questions, ranging from whether an EV can go through a car wash to which battery tech is better for performance. To win them over, GM is helping EV owners and potential buyers understand the quirks and nuances of tech-savvy vehicles by directing them to a new call center. In a bright white room of an old Target in suburban Detroit, GM has dozens of trained GM electric vehicle specialists taking video calls from all sorts of EV shoppers and owners seven days a week for up to 15 hours a day. They help anybody who calls from drivers, familiar with EV experience to those just curious about going electric from how to charge an electric vehicle at home in public to whether EV fits inside of driver's lifestyle to technical questions about EV batteries. So my question to you today at 775-5559, have you ever not purchased, doesn't have to be electric vehicles, but have you ever not purchased something or have you ever purchased something because of information that you are able to get access to. So what I mean by that is, I'll give you an example. I don't have any experience with an electric car per se, but I was in the market for a a particular piece of, of broadcast equipment. And there's a company called Telos Axia that makes a lot of broadcast equipment. And their engineering department is open 24-7, 365. If they're not when they're not at the office, they have somebody that takes calls. And so you can call this hotline 24 hours a day, seven days a week and say, I have a question about an Axia product. And an engineer will answer the phone and answer your question about the product. Now it's typically designed for radio stations that have gone off the air. Like, Hey, this thing broke. It's three in the morning and I have no earthly idea how to fix it. I'll call this company. They'll tell me about the product and what I need to click on or what I need to do to fix it and then get the radio station back on the air. However, they don't restrict like anybody. You can call that number. You can go to, you know, telosalliance.com. You can look up the phone number and you can call them and ask them any question you want. So I was in the market for this piece of equipment. I was looking at it and I came across just a screaming deal on eBay, thousands and thousands of dollars off. And I thought, man, this is really, that would really be good. And then I start thinking about it. It's from South Africa. And I think, I don't know anything about, you know, this seller. I don't know anything about the product really. And I'm, I'm, I don't want to spend even that much money not knowing anything about it. So I picked up the phone and I called this hotline. And this is like 2.30 in the morning. Now, here's the deal. 
I wish my life worked in a way to where I could, you know, 8 a.m. right when I get into the office, uh, pick up the phone and, and make a call. But in that scenario, if I was going to make that purchase, it was only going to be available on eBay for a little while at that price. I wanted to execute on it as quickly as possible. So I picked up the phone at like two in the morning and I called this hotline. Engineer guy answers the phone, very happy to take my call, very kind, very considerate and very knowledgeable, asked a whole bunch of questions. And he was able to tell me things like the history of that particular unit and when it was purchased and what it was used for and all sorts of stuff that eventually led to me being able to purchase that unit very comfortably. And I've had it ever since. And it's been a really great experience. But their customer service and their ability to answer my questions and be available to me when I needed them to be available and answer the questions that I wanted them to answer played a huge role in my decision to purchase that piece of equipment. So when I read an article that talks about electric vehicles and people's hesitation in purchasing electric vehicles, 30% of people reject EVs just on a lack of information. This is a new technology. It hasn't been out for very long. So it stands to reason that there are a lot of people that are going to have questions about, hey, can I take a car through a car wash? Some of that stuff I feel like is fairly obvious. I mean, do we really think you'd make a car that you couldn't take through a car wash? But but there's certainly somebody that's asking that question. And more so, as people start to get familiar with electric vehicles, they're going to find where the real limitations are. We could speculate here all day. And I have it a couple of times. How would they work in North Dakota? How do they work in the cold? How many miles would you have? You can speculate all day. How much better is it to get on the phone with somebody who actually works for the company and has training on this and can answer your questions directly? The second thing I thought was of interest here is the fact that they've repurposed essentially a building into a studio. I mean, you can call it whatever you want. But they're doing video calls and they've set up little demonstration models. So they have all of, you might expect, they have all of the electric vehicles that they sell there. But they also have things like charging stations, home charging stations, public charging stations. And so they can do a video call and actually walk with you and say, hey, you want to know how to charge in a public station. Well, here's what you would do and here, here's how you would plug it in and here's the adapter that you need. All of those kinds of questions you can actually see demonstrated on the model that you might be looking to buy. Because it's in Detroit, you're also right next to GM. So these employees are presumably going to and from GM, getting training on the latest information available, and then going making that available via a call center. So again, our question, 775-5559, has information or a resource available to you in a sales capacity either helped you make a decision or the absence of that helped you not make a decision? You were uncomfortable going um going forward now text messenger has this to say at 775-5559 do you really think you'll get independent unbiased advice it's nothing more than talking to a crooked salesperson so here's what i would say about that Salespeople get bad raps because of because there are legitimately bad salespeople in the world okay a good salesperson isn't trying to talk you into anything a good salesperson, it, here's what I, what I always tell customers when I sit down with them and, and, and I'm selling something, I always tell them, I am the aggregator of tools. I can tell you all of, you know, the, my sales roles, all of the technical things that I think might be of benefit to you. Here are all the tools available at your toolbox, and here's how we could deploy, here's how we might deploy those tools to accomplish your goals as I understand them. 
And I'll frequently start with customers by saying, here's what I understand your needs are. Here's what I understand. And it's more than once, more than once. I will get somebody that will come back and say, actually, you didn't quite you didn't quite follow what I was saying. What I really wanted to do is this, not that. Or what I was hoping to do was this, not that. And that point of of clarification, understanding first what the customer wants or what they're looking to do, and then pairing that with the most appropriate solution is doing that person a huge service. Right. It's doing the legwork for them, because so if you think about this, if you're looking for. A, you're, you're going to purchase anything, and it could be electric vehicle, it could be a new tool, uh, it, it could be anything. What you're looking for is there's a bunch of cars out there, or there's a bunch of tools out there. Which one is best for me? What are the advantages and disadvantages? What has screwed up the sales world and, and tipped it upside down six ways to Sunday is instead of taking that approach where we come, we come, we understand what you want. And then we go and say, here are all the tools that are available to you. Which one of these would be most appropriate? Here's how you might implement these. And then you pick one. And now I've saved you the trouble of having to sit there for the next three months and research each one of these ad nauseum. If instead I just come and say, well, you know, it's uh, electric vehicles and uh, the brand that I've chosen is X or, you know, or tools. The brand I've chosen is Y or that's who we partner with. So we sell them and we're all happy with them. And uh, that's what you need. That isn't necessarily doing a customer any favors. Now, again, it's difficult to draw hard and fast rules, hard and fast lines, because it does. There's absolutely value in if you call a heating and air conditioning company, right? Whatever brand that they choose to work with is oftentimes the company that they have a good relationship with. And so when you have a problem with your furnace or when you have a problem with your air conditioner, the heating and air company can immediately contact the manufacturer and say, hey, th- we're having a problem here. This isn't working correctly, and it, and it should. And then that company gets them parts or whatever, and they're able to do that very quickly and efficiently. Those things, again, are a benefit to the consumer. But when you say, do you think you'll get an unbiased advice? It's nothing more than a crooked salesperson. The presupposition there is that salespeople are crooked. And I think there are absolute, that's absolutely certainly crooked salespeople in the world. But the vast majority, I wouldn't, I don't know if I go that far, but a, a good chunk of salespeople and the ones that, that do it right are the people that understand their product and truthfully understand their competitor's product better than the competitor does. And then can come in and talk to you very unbiasedly and give you all of the information. So do you? Do I think I'll get an, an independent, unbiased uh, advice? It won't be independent because it's the, the person is literally collecting their paycheck from GM. And to be fair, you should acknowledge that if you're calling a company for advice on what to purchase and they're the one selling the product, of course they have a vested interest in trying to sell you the product. But I think in general – You'll if they do if if they hire good quality salespeople, I think in general what you're going to find is this is going to be a good thing. People are going to be able to come away with this with a better understanding of what it means to buy, own, and operate an electric vehicle. And this resource, frankly, doesn't exist with companies like Tesla and others. So I'm happy to see that GM is doing stuff like this. But your thoughts are welcome. Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. You're on KNOX. Good morning. Noah, you hit the nail on the head, man. Great job. Thanks. Yeah, I, what I tell people, you know what I do, so I mean, we'll just leave it at that. But what I tell people is I'm not here to sell you anything. I'm here to help you pick out the best product for you. Right. You know, and walk you through it. So, and 
is there shady people? Yeah, I mean, I've heard stories, other states have had it happen where, you know, we'll send this in and get it fixed. Two weeks later, oh, yeah, they didn't have parts to fix it. But then they bring it up to me, and I've sent it in and got it fixed. They're like, what happened? I'm like, they didn't even send it in. They put it in the back room, told you they couldn't fix it because they wanted you to buy new stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. try and I'm gonna try and phrase this question very carefully as to as to, to, to not rat you out or anything. But do do you ever have customers that come in and they Googled on the internet and they found an Amazon deal for a fraction of the price that you sell your product at, and so they come in and go, "Wow, well, why wouldn't I just do this? This is you know a fraction of the price, tenth of the cost. I should just get that." Uh, yeah, especially now with uh, you know what have, you know what's happened with uh, you know the mm-hmm. deregulation. Um, yeah, and. So you'll get that, and there's a market for that. A lot of people, though, are still, they want the someone that they can call and ask questions or someone they can go to to fix things. I just had a person drop some stuff off here. Something goes wrong with those, you know, with the other product, where, where do you go? Uh, you got to box it up yourself, mm-hmm. ship it off somewhere. It's gone for two weeks. Uh, it, it might be able to be, I might, you know, I'll have uh, what just got dropped to my office now, I'll have fixed in uh, 20 minutes as compared to sending them in and they're gone for a month. Exactly. And then the hands-on, you know, same thing with, for me at least, same thing with like, uh, you know, and I'm not saying anything bad about like say, you know, the general car insurance, but I'd rather have a local agent, someone that can call me like, hey, this just happened, what do I do, where do I go, how does it, how does it work? Well, and I thank you for the call. That is the other side of this, right? This used to be the job of the dealer. You would go to the dealer and you would an- you would ask them questions and the dealer would answer those questions for you. And this absolutely does change that. Now, now, now they're saying that this is to augment dealers. It's to enhance dealers. It's to allow because they're getting overwhelmed and frankly don't have all of the latest information and aren't prepared to answer the wide variety of questions that you're getting in electric vehicles. It's different to say, hey, here's the newest model of the cruise and we added GPS to it, and, hey, we completely redesigned the car from the ground up, and the way automobiles have worked for the last 100 years is now different. It's pretty drastic different things. But you're right about that. It is centralizing the sales of automobiles in out of Detroit, and I'm not sure that's a great thing. 775-5559, you're on KNOX. Good morning. Hey, good morning. So I work in sales as well, and I think there's different facets of the, of the sales side of things. You know, I, I sell PPE products, and so... You know, I'm, I'm fairly good at selling things, but I hate it in the other way <laughs> because you always have the, the stereotypical salesperson. You know, you go hop in a car, boy, you look great in that car. Well, that's not a sales feature. I mean, but you have people, you know, that will, will go about things like that, and it's whatever they can do to close a sale, to, to get the business, and then, oh, now you're stuck with it, and you didn't really need that back scratcher after all, but I sold it to you, so good for me. But uh, no, I like to, I like to sell things by having the product sell itself. All right, yeah, here's what I sell. Here's what it does. Here's why you need it. But you have to make the decision. That's completely up to you. And then the other side of that is to take care of your customer on the back end. Yes. You know, kind of what you were talking about with, and it was more on the front end, I guess, to to be able to answer all those questions. But uh, you know, there's there's different firearms that I have. But the the companies that have made these things, if anything has ever gone wrong. Or, hey, I need a new one of these. Oh, okay, we'll get that right on the way to you. Like, they stand behind the product. And I think that that is a, a level of comfortability that people need to have, too. So, you know, it may be a bit different when you're selling EVs because, you know, people want, you know, maybe new technology in there. And mm-hmm. so is it something they absolutely need? Maybe not. 
but to to stand behind it and say, okay, here's all the benefits that it offers you. You make the decision, but I'm not pressuring you right. to do that. Yeah, that's, <clears throat> that is where you get into like relationship-style selling rather than just transactional, and yep. that's a big deal. No, I, I completely agree. I, I thank you for the call. It's, a, it's an excellent example of salespeople who are doing things the right way. For coming alongside your customer, and again, doing things for them. My wife is one of the smartest people I've, I've ever encountered in my life. But every once in a while, we'll have a situation and we'll hire somebody or we'll have a, a consultant or whatever. And it's not that my wife couldn't spend the time to go and research and learn the thing. It's just more efficient to hire somebody else to do the work sometimes. All right, we'll continue the discussion next. I see the calls. I see the texts. They're up next. The News Radio 1310 KNOX. Thirteen ten KNOX 107.9-1033 FM. Good morning, 927, 10 above. We're talking about electric cars and GM's decision to open a new education center of sorts. It's a call center where you can call in and ask questions about battery-powered cars. According to J.D. Power study on electric vehicle consideration, around 30% of consumers who reject an electric vehicle cite a lack of information. So in response... GM has opened up a call center in which you can call, get on a video call with a GM representative who knows electric vehicles inside and out. Quote, as General Motors and its competitors roll out dozens of new EV models, the mainstream buyers need to know, need to win over through working through a plethora of anxieties and questions ranging from whether EV can go through a car wash to which battery tech is better from performance to win them over. GM is helping new EV owners and potential buyers understand the quirks and nuances of tech-heavy vehicles by directing them to a call center. In a bright white room in Old Target in suburban Detroit, GM has a team of trained electric vehicle specialists taking video calls from EV shoppers and owners seven days a week for up to 15 hours a day. At EV Live, which is what they're calling it, which opened in July, specialists move from display to display where GM has mocked up charging stations, parked some of its EVs, including the Chevrolet Bolt, the GMZ Hummer, GMC Hummer EV, and the Bright Drop delivery van. In their moment of need, in the moment of anxiety, who gave them the answer to their question, Hassani said? Who resolved that anxiety? So going back to a caller before the break, he said he used an interesting phrase. He said, taking care of the customer on the back end or the front end. So if you're looking to do that and you have somebody that's in, they're not at a point where they're looking to, 
purchase a car, they just have a question. They're in a car, they have a rental, maybe they have a friend's car, something like that, and a question has come up. Who is the person, what brand is going to stick out in their mind? Because I very much remember having a Christmas where there was a small little battery, or a small little screwdriver uh, from DigiKey. And at the time, I didn't know anything about DigiKey. All I knew is I wanted batteries for my toy. My parents were able to put the batteries in the toy on Christmas when everything was closed because we had this tiny little screwdriver that sat in our kitchen drawer. And my whole life, well, not my whole life, but growing up, I had no idea what DigiKey was. They just left a positive impression in my mind because that was the thing that put batteries and toys on Christmas. Free little screwdriver, but they were there in my time of need. When companies do that, they win you over. This is Critical Thought. Doug Barrett of the KNOX Newsroom. That's next. Radio 1310 KNOX 1079-1033 FM. Good morning, 944 10 above. The phone number 775-5559. You too can add your voice to the conversation and become a part of the program. You're on KNOX. Good morning. How you doing, Noah? Did you got your EV yet? Uh, no, I won't begin one. That's what I want to address. It's um, on order? And not that I'm not that I'm necessarily opposed. People can do whatever they want. That, that, that's, and you know, on a side note, that's what I find different about people from me and people from the left who call in. Uh, they want to control so many things with people's lives. Well, I just want to say, leave me alone. But but the whole thing about the much like the horse symbolized America for you, horse buggy stagecoach. You go where you want to go, whenever you wanted to go. One of the symbols of America is the car. Yeah, and the freedom it gives you, and the ability to do what you want, when you want, how you want, with whatever you want, depending on what, what you want a vehicle for. Yep. If people want to live in an urban setting and drive in a, in a little box that's fine if people want to live in the country and have a big four-wheel drive, that's fine but what the evs do is uh what i'm concerned about is the control that will place over people and some people i get it you live your life afraid and you want the government to take care of you but there's a, a bunch of us who don't live that way and you get in big cities and i know the Biden administration doing everything they can to destroy fossil fuels stopping pipelines closing refineries etc and right. so, but still gas is plentiful and, and and even if people do the studying we're still going to need oil for so many more things besides fuel that they're not going to be able to stop oil but the issue with electricity is the government's have, going to have complete control of electricity if something happens in your big city and you're and you got to go somewhere number one you have a traffic congestion and number two what are you going to do carry a portable generator in the back of your car if you get far enough out and now your power is dwindling, there's no electricity, you hope somebody gives you some gas to run your generator to charge your car. They want you, they talk, the guy talked about railroads. Railroads, they want you to be dependent upon mass transit. Because if they shut the mass transit down, where do you go? Well, that's part of it, but the other, here's, here's, the other, here's the other part of it, though, too. What if you don't want to go when and where the mass transit is going, right? There are, and, and, exactly. and you know, the, the caller prefaced his statement with, I know America's bigger, so I, I didn't feel the need to bat the issue around with him. But the truth is, like, America's a lot bigger. Yes, Japan and UK have excellent public transit systems, and it works great for them. And New York does, too, to be fair. But you on the East Coast, I can go through, like, five states in three hours. I could drive for the next six hours, and I'd basically be at the end of Montana. Like, I wouldn't cross one state. 
uh, or actually, I probably wouldn't even get to Montana. It'd probably take me four or five hours just to get across to the western side of North Dakota. So we're in like we're a drastically different nation. So public transit might be a possibility, but it's going to cost a tremendous amount of money, and then you're trading your individual liberty for the collective. That's the point. That's why the car. I mean, this, that's the symbol of America was the car and the freedom it gave you for you can go, like I said, wherever you want, whenever you want to do whatever you want. And putting this in these little mats, and like I said, they do have some, with their policies, they're attempting to control us with the oil, but it's much more, if, if we're all on the grid for everything, we are totally at their mercy. And if people are going to live in these big cities and depend on master, think back to Katrina when the hurricane hit and all those people that got stuck in New Orleans. It, 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 you what are you going to do if you want to get away and you want to take some stuff with you? Well, put your hiking shoes on and whatever you carry in your backpack. I'll have my big SUVs full. I'll go where I want with my spare gas on top of it. If there's an issue, I can deal with it. But we are trading our freedom in all areas of our life, transport, everything, this digital bank. We are giving ourselves away to total government control. And I'll close with this. This administration has more in common with communist China than they do with America. You know, I want to I want to push back on one thing. I want to get your take on this. So as it relates to just all the other arguments, you know, the government subsidies, all of that, we'll set that aside for just a second. In on the face of it, I can obtain electricity with less help from any other entity than I can obtain gas. Now, it's not nearly as energy dense as gasoline, like by a factor of 40, but I can take a solar panel, put it up, and I can collect electricity, and I can presumably put that into a car. And as battery technology advances, that will get more practical. Today, I have no ability to go dig a hole, get oil out, and refine it and turn it into gasoline. Do you think there's any validity to the idea that electric – even if – maybe not electric cars in its current incarnation, but an electric motor is – maybe more suited towards somebody who wants independence than a gas-powered car. What are your thoughts there? You have independence from your house for one charge. Yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Then after that, you're dependent. Yeah. Even the gas car, yes, we're dependent. But my my argument is you can be much more controlled depending on electricity because Look what Ukraine's doing now. You know what they're doing right now is, as they, as as you know, Russia. Their plan is to uh, try and cold them out. You know, they're bombing right. their uh, uh, electrical generator. Uh, what are they shipping over left and right over uh, to Ukraine from across the European Union? Generators. What do generators run on? Gas. They're not shipping them. They're not shipping them solar panels and wind towers. Yeah, I they're mean, shipping them generators. Yeah, I I don't dis- Here's 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 the deal. There's no question. And I thank you for the call. There's no question that the energy density of gasoline is vastly superior than the energy density of lithium ion batteries. I mean, it's not even we're not even in the same ballpark, Uh, but that's 2022 technology. I'm interested to see what 2032 technology looks like or 2042 technology or 2052 or 62 technology. You know, a little bit better batteries, a little bit better solar panels, capture some of that energy from the nuclear reactor in the sky. I could get on board. All right, we'll take the last break here. This is Critical Thought on KNOX.
Radio, 1310 KNOX, 107.9, 103.3 FM. Good morning. It is 10.07, 12 out as we make our way to a daytime high of 26. On the phone with me, Senator Kevin Kramer. Welcome in, sir. Really great to be with you, as always. I appreciate you taking the time every week, sir. So I want to start with this, Senator. There was a news article that came out yesterday in the Grand Forks Herald um, that references your and uh, Senator Hoven's decision to come out against Fufang. And mm-hmm. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Um, I guess the, 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 my, my largest question is this, Senator. Why, after pushing for the CFIUS review, why come out in opposition to Fufang before the report has actually come out? Sure. Well, I was opposed to Fufang long before we asked for the CFIUS review. So okay. the CFIUS, my, my position on Fufang was never dependent on the CFIUS review. I was happy to help to uh, support the, the city's request for a CFIUS review. Um, and, and CFIUS is useful. It's, I don't want to imply that it's not useful, but uh, it's not a definitive report. It's not even one that's shared with the, the public, except perhaps by the, um, you know, the client, in this case, Fufang itself. Um, but I had I had more than enough information and concern for you know China than uh, that I didn't need Cepheus to tell me okay. you know it, it, anything so uh, that that's that was always my position I, I read the story I obviously interviewed um, very openly for the story was happy to um, but I think the Grand Forks Herald has a long record of my opposition to the um, to. When did that? Could you help me? When did that opposition start? When was the first time that you had heard of? Yeah, yeah, that's a great point, great question. Because in like a a year ago, when it first was announced, and I'm, you know, my brain gets a little foggy in all the dates, but I think it was roughly this time last year, maybe even a little earlier last year when it first came out. I expressed my concerns. I didn't express my outright opposition, but I expressed my concerns. I said, but this is going to have to be, you know, severely, um, you know, scrutinized, a lot of due diligence, obviously, all those things. And, and what uh, was, it was if, if you don't mind me asking, yeah, and when you came out, sure. when you came out and said, like, I have some concerns, what was the response from either Mayor Brandon Bochensky or uh, Dana Sandy City leadership? Did What was the response? Um... I, I you know I don't recall a lot of response at that time. It it uh, didn't take me a lot longer though. I probably by February I'd expressed opposition pretty openly. Uh, you know, whether it's to the Herald, to KNOX audience, to um, you know anybody that that asked. Listen. Sure. Um, I was pretty open about it and have, a, like I say, a long line of stories expressing that opposition. My opposition um, and, and some of them you know, some of them. We're concerned. They, I think a lot of times, in, in a lot of cases, the the uh, concern coming from city leaders has been and continues to be, and I understand it. That they'd like more federal involvement in this decision. Okay. And of course, I'm not a big proponent of federal involvement in local decisions. But <laughs> in this really case, it's not. required, right? Because we're dealing with another nation. Right. So, well, there, there, that, and that's right. That that's why the CFIUS review. Um, but even the CFIUS review is, for the most part just a review and it's a re- it's a report to the to the people that they're looking into investigating um it it is it can be instructive but it's rarely ultimately definitive in other words they don't they don't make a decision for the city now the president of the united states can after CFIUS review if in I fact see. um there's a further CFIUS can lead to uh, first there's a sort of a, a phase 1 
you know, general review. A um, whole bunch of agencies are involved, as you know. I think something like 14 or 15 agencies, different agencies, including the Department of Defense and the food agencies, of course, and all the security agencies, even commerce. In fact, it's led by the CFIUS. The committee itself is, is chaired by the Secretary of the Treasury. And so um, commerce is obviously involved. And then if there are further questions or further review that requires deeper digging, which is where they are now, um, then there's another time frame, a timeline that, that's in play. And I think that we're probably getting to the, near the end of that timeline because yeah. things move pretty fast with CFIUS. Ab- absolutely. And, I think and it's, then once, yeah, it's like middle of December. Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. You're on the air with Senator Kramer. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Well, you kind of answered one of my questions. I was going to ask if um, if Cifius comes back and Grand Fork says, "Yeah, we want to go ahead with this." If there's anything you can do, um, you said the president can. Are yeah. do you have a hand in anything there? I mean, can you or Holman or anybody else get in there and say no, or does this have to come straight from the idiot, I mean, the president? (laughs) No, no, we don't have any direct authority over it. We have, you know, resources, which we've been utilizing and have, I think the the article, you know, referred to some of that, Um, but we don't have any authority over it. And by the way, we don't want to, I don't, don't give me, it's really not, it really is a local decision and state decision if state resources are used, those kinds of things. But we do have resources. And, and just as an example, well, let me get back to the specific of the question. No is the answer. The president can, after like 15 days uh, of review, if he wants to, he can stop the project. If he feels it's such okay. a security risk, he could stop the project. I, I don't okay. before think I get hung get up, that. Before I, I get hung up, I want to, before I get hung up on, I would like to make one point you said you don't want to get involved with local decisions this is a matter of national security if you don't want to get involved with this um boy that that throws up a red flag for me and but but see it's it's not a matter here's the problem it's not a matter of national security it's a matter of whether grand forks is a player in defending national security or whether someplace else is do you understand? In other words, so, the decision isn't mine to make about what the community of Grand Forks does. Um, what I worry about from a national security – well, there's several national security concerns. One is I don't, like, I don't like foreign companies buying up a lot of the supply chain, the food supply chain, and other critical supply chains in the United States. That we can do things about. That we have legislation on to try to, to stop that at a national level. Um, but as long as it's legal – these aren't my decisions, and you don't really want them to be my decisions. What I worry about is that the Air Force Base in Grand Forks says, hmm, okay, they've decided to go ahead with this. We think it's too risky, so we're going to put the new mission in, you know, at the Beale Air Force Base instead of the Grand Forks Air Force Base. They're just, it's not even their decision. That's what Grand Forks says. Their decision is what they do in, in, on behalf of national security. They have not, don't, do not get me, don't get me wrong, they've not threatened that. I don't want to imply they threaten that. All I know is, is that we put our base at risk when we, when we put um, assets near the base that are considered a threat. I've talked to enough people to know that, that there's, there are concerns about 
China's role in the world. Now, you don't Senator, have to if, I, if you don't I mind do me asking, not. can I ask yeah. what do, do you have access? And you don't have to obviously go into the information, but sure. do you have access to information, or have you been made aware of facts or information that points to a specific security concern mm-hmm. at the at the Grand Forks Air Force Base? And is that part of your uh, a part of your opposition? So, um, I. I've, I'm going to be careful because there is a review right now. The CFIUS review does consider those things and is looking into those things. And the Air Force is not allowed to tell me that while that okay. CFIUS review goes on. So I want to be very clear about Got it. it. They have declined to share information uh, while the CFIUS review is in play. I've looked it up. They, that is exactly right. It is against the law for them to do that. So I want to honor that. However, as soon as the CFIUS review is done, I can, as a member of Congress, request a classified briefing on, on the outcome. Um, and, and then not, CFIUS will share that. To, to, to be clear, you've not been privy to any classified information yet. That You'll wait for that process to go through, and then you... Oh, yeah, well, th- then I'll have it. However, however, I still want people to be very clear. I oppose, I oppose mm-hmm. Fufang for what I do know, just from what I do know. And most of what I do know is public. I mean, anybody that doesn't realize that the Chinese government has been infiltrating the institutions in the United States for decades is living under a rock. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't read stories about China's further intrusion into American culture, into American defense, into American economy, into world economies, providing influence in multiple ways. Mm-hmm. I mean... TikTok being one obvious example, but there's a whole bunch of others. Um, five, their 5G network, uh, obviously. I mean, there's a whole bunch. Their, their involvement in local PTAs, you know, it's that, it's, that, it's that granular with them. Now, having said all of that, I would just point to a couple of very public things. One, in a, in a non-classified hearing, the Secretary of the Air Force, General Brown, C.Q. Brown, was asked by Senator Tom Cotton um, if he's aware of the Fufang investment project in Grand Forks, North Dakota, in close proximity to the Grand Forks Air Force Base, and if he has any concerns. To which the the, the uh, chief, the General Brown, answered, mm-hmm. "I'd rather discuss that with you in a classified setting." Now. I don't have to know what is said in the classified setting to know that whatever it is that he wanted to talk about was not going to be made public. Well, but I mean, that, but don't you think, but that's Senator, major but alarm. respectfully, yeah. Senator, don't you think that yeah. information is pertinent to people of Grand Forks and city leadership who are ultimately making this decision? I mean, if the argument is, hey, this isn't for us to decide in Congress, this is a local city issue, I can get behind that. If Senator Tom Cotton has come across information or asks for information and the answer back to him is, yes, there is information, but I don't want to discuss that in an open setting. How then can city leadership be expected to make decisions predicated on that information? Well, you can always make this. The decision to not do it is the easiest decision because it answers all those questions. If there's any risk whatsoever and if if you believe there's risk, then then not moving forward is the right thing to do. And that's been my position for a very long time for lots of reasons, most of which should be obvious to people. With regard to the specific question, though, however, I do think that this is why the CFIUS is requested, is is that there will be this review. Even at that, though, will not a lot of it won't be public. I mean, some of it will be classified information. It's they're deep into things right now. 
So um, when when that information is made available, I think people will have a, a, a clearer view how much how widely it's shared. Noah, mm-hmm. I don't you know I can't say. Of course, but I I just want to make sure that the Air Force and the Space Development Agency and Space Force and and our partners in industry that are out at, at the uh, Grand Sky um, are comfortable because at the end of the day they have options. They'll have other options. Sure. Sure. And we want the, the option of yeah. Grand Force. And, I mean, the reality is the Air Force Base is, is, a, is a higher priority to us than than, than core milling, for sure. 775-5559, you're on KNOX with Senator Kramer. Good morning. Good morning. Is it me? That's you. Hey, good morning, Senator Kramer. Good hey, morning. You know, when, I took, when I took government classes, and I, I guess mm-hmm. is Grand Forks in the state of North Dakota? It is. Okay. Um, is the state government above and over the city government and county government? Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting question because it's some that's somewhat a cultural question as as well. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna, I'm going I'm to redirect here a little bit. Can you get straight to your Can you get straight to your question? Yeah. Well, my question is if if you are opposed to this and you have mm-hmm. been opposed to this, why mm-hmm. did it get to even the city's desk to even draw? I mean, when they started bringing it in. You were opposed mm-hmm. to it, and you should have stopped it. That's what state governments do. They govern city governments and county governments. Sir, you're aware that, so that I, I'm, with... I'm neither a state or a, neither a state official nor a local official. I'm a member of the federal legislature, the Congress of the United States, which has no jurisdiction over it and shouldn't, by the way, because states created represents... the federal government, not the other way around. But it represents the state of North Dakota, right? That's what you're doing at the federal level. I represent the I represent the, the people level. of North Dakota in Congress. So you, I, yeah, I represent the people. I don't represent the state. I represent the people of North Dakota in Congress. The people of North Dakota, right. yes, and I totally and I totally get that, and mm-hmm. that we are in the state of North Dakota, and you represent Grand Forks. You feel concerns with Fufong, as a lot of people do, and with yeah. everything that's gone down here with that whole project, with not letting it go to a vote sending FBI agents to poor citizens' houses. Senator Kramer, I mean, this is absurd. Why mm-hmm. Why can't you, at your level, with what you know, and you're opposing this whole project, get it wiped out at the state level? I, I think he. I think he's explained that uh, mm-hmm. twice in, the, in this yeah, hour alone. I, but, but I am concerned because, because I think I'm afraid, no, this is a somewhat common misunderstanding of civics class and 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 um our system of government i'm not an executive i'm i'm a legislator in the at the federal level i don't mm-hmm. control anything i literally don't i, I control legislation mm-hmm. and i can persuade and and i use my powers of persuasion and my resources for the people of north dakota at the end of the day to make decisions at their level um and to the degree i can pass legislation and we do we I'm, I'm involved in some legislation on the national level uh, regarding China and China's um, influence. In fact, I have a piece of legislation with a few other uh, of my colleagues right now relating to um, immigrant visas for Chinese uh, members of the Chinese Communist Party. So that, that's where that's where I have legislative authority, but where I have persuasive authorities is doing the things that I'm doing right now. And in fact, in that story that you you referenced earlier, Noah, yes. there's a. I, I, by the way, I thought the headline and the and the and the premise of the story was designed to be sort of 
uh, underhanded, devious, you know, backdoor right. behind the scenes. I'm like, <laughs> I've never been behind the scenes on this. I, I mean, I know it makes for a better headline, but really, nothing in that yeah, story and, was, and, was, was, and wasn't already public. To to your credit, your uh, your um, your your press person actually, when a few weeks ago had said, "Hey, Senator Kramer is you know very passionate about this particular issue." Mm-hmm. I have just chosen to bring it up uh, today, but but you're right yeah. that it does seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. You're on KNOX with Senator Kramer. Good morning. I'm going to spend one minute, hopefully, only on Fufong to get my real topic. But I, I don't know what some of these people are, are drinking, to be perfectly honest. As someone whose late father served 30 years in the Cold War, who served personally in the Cold War, who knows the history of the Cold War, we're doing it all over again. Uh, mm-hmm. China is setting up police stations mm-hmm. all across the world in foreign cities, including the United States of America, to track down Chinese citizens. Chinese consulates were funding Antifa and Black Lives Matter during the 2020 and 2021 riots. The Confucius Institutes, go check out Dickinson. They were there. They're all over the country. They are, I can go on and on. They're, they're rapidly expanding their ICBMs. They're building up their Navy. If you study demographics, South Korea, Japan, and Taiwan, their population is graying. They're going to have difficulty properly manning their military. Side note, we're having an issue because we've got a bunch of, well, I'll say it, fat, lazy people, but they're going to have problems. China is on the move. What do you people yeah. not do? What, what don't you see? But I'll, I'm stopping there. Here's my real, what I'm talking about today. Yeah. I'd love to hear the senator's discussion. I could sit in for, with him for hours, hopefully one day in the future. We'll go out to lunch and I can. But what is your opinion on the Biden administration attempting to keep, create a national digital ID? I don't know. Maybe it'll start with 666. And also the the New York Reserve team up with approximately a dozen banks right now attempting to create a national digital dollar banning cash, which means the Federal Reserve through the banks, this money is not Bitcoin, it's programmable. They can just, if there's a run on the bank, they just turn the bank off because it's electronic. If you go to buy an AR-15, that's not authorized. You can't use it. Love to hear comments on a digital ID and a digital dollar, which is exactly what China wants. What a coincidence. Yeah, right. So digital dollars, there's there's all kinds of ways to do digital. Um, and I appreciate the clarification. We're not talking about cryptocurrency. We're talking about still talking about the dollar, mm-hmm. um, but the ability to, to digitize it so that it can be shut off, if you will. You know, it has some advantages, but the, but the great disadvantage is, to, to his point, is that you don't, um, let me back up. So having a digital bank is kind of nice for the consumer because you can access your money much quicker than having to go and have them open the vault and get it out. That would be the theory. The problem is, is the, the opposite is also true. It makes it much easier for the bank to lock it up. Mm. And, um, but remembering that money, money is, if you, all you need is the cash, remember banks can't hold a lot of cash. They have to have their, the, your money out working for, you know, working for the bank. They're, they're um, required by law. Uh, to do that, they can't have big bank balances. So, uh, you know, it's modern technology has all kinds of upsides and it has some some downsides. Uh, and unfortunately, the uh, the downsides, if if executed, can be pretty pretty outlandish. So, uh, kind of a roundabout way to say I'm kind of on both sides of it. But abuse is abuse, regardless of what form that mm. the cash takes. 
um, you know, you, you want to be able to have access to your money at all times and make sure that there can't be a, a run that, that keeps you from money. With regard to digital identification, again, it's, it's, it's not the digitization that's so awful. It's the digitization that makes it so available. Yeah. And, and control. And we already know. And control. But that's, that's exactly the problem. I, I just think we've gone so far over the edge on ter- in terms of personal privacy a personal private, you know, private property rights, uh, uh, identification rights, protections of your uh, of your identification. Um, a lot of it started with our, of course, with our um, compliance. Every every time we check, I accept when we get a new download or an app or a, or a, a game on our phone or a software program, we accept the conditions without reading what it is we're agreeing to. Uh, I'm I've kind of. I long ago got to the point where I've given up on the idea that somehow I'm ever going to have privacy again. But um, but anybody that wants it should be entitled to it and should have it and it shouldn't be required to have it be part of some sort of a digital uh, you know, data bank somewhere that has all of your information that's controlled by a, a government official somewhere. I completely reject the notion. It's what's exceptional about America. 775-5559, you're on with Senator Kramer. Good morning. Good morning. Is that me? That's you. Yeah, I have one question. Um, sure. You're so worried about Fufang. What about the university students that are training uh, pilots at UND? They can fly over the air base. They can take pictures. Mm-hmm. What kind of control have you got over that? I'll hang up and listen. Sure, sure. So um, I, I believe there are controls over that, actually. Um, and I would, I would uh, sort of pass that off to the to the School of Aerospace Sciences and the flight school and the controls that they have over potential for that kind of that kind of activity. Or even even the agreement that they have for, for training students. I think that I would rather have them answer that because they know the details of it. We do look into it, don't get me wrong, but I just soon have them answer those questions. Um, w- with regard to past involvement with Chinese government, I think that the previous caller you know went through it pretty well. Um, it has been it has been elevated obviously over the years. We've been doing it for decades with Confucius um, centers, with educating uh, students. Um, by the way, I've I've met with the foreign leaders in in the Indo-Pacific, uh, much closer to China than we are. That have been doing that as long as we have, and have since stopped doing it because they found that a lot of things was were being stolen, a lot of identities, a lot of just information data that can be helpful in in manipulating and, and uh, maneuvering, if you will, certainly all been, all um, malign activity uh, designed for malign activity, and that that horse left the barn. But we've got to stop it where we can stop it, and that has happened in other places, and it's happened here. I mean, I've joined legislation to to kick the um, Confucius Confucius centers out of our university system in the United States. Marshall Blackburn's been a leader on that, even back when we were both in the House of Representatives. Um, we know a lot more today than we knew five years ago and, we, and, and 10 years ago and 20 and 30 years ago. We have to respond today with what we know today. Um, also, I would say with regard to whether it's the Chinese students at the University of North Dakota or Cirrus um, Aircraft, which, are, you know, which is now uh, Chinese-owned, um, those things have been mitigated. I, you can be assured that the Grand Forks Air Force Base, the United States Air Force, has mitigated whatever risks there were with those investments. It's not that they ignored them, but they mitigated them. 
the question for Fufeng today and going forward is, do we want to keep expecting the Air Force Base to mitigate risks or do we want to minimize those risks? I'd rather minimize those risks and make Grand Force the most, most um, defense, military-friendly city in America so that we can continue to grow the missions at the Grand Force Air Force Base and really throughout North Dakota, uh, both in association with Grand Forks and, um, you know, and, as, and because of, of the momentum being created at Grand Forks. Last question, Senator, and I'll let you go. But you know, there's something you sure. said earlier that kind of caught my attention. I wanted to circle back to it. Mm-hmm. You said uh, when the city leaders initiated the CFIUS review, was it the city that asked for the CFIUS review, or was it? Yeah, which- that's an important point. Yeah, you're very smart to catch on to that. I I don't know if they initiated it or whether I kind of I I I don't think they did. I think that that somebody else initiated. They supported it, and they asked us for support. You know, they asked the, the legislative or the congressional delegation to support it as well. So we, we were supporting it on behalf of the city's request. Gotcha. And, and I think that's an important point, Noah, and I appreciate you raising it because really there's nobody, including Mayor Boshensky, that wants to do this wrong. They, they really don't. And, and the mayor himself has been, he's been asking for information, wants information. I do think sometimes, um, you know, the city leaders want to make it an easy decision, um, and, and it may not be as easy as, as um, you know, as we think it is, but um, they've been, they've always been open to, to information. Even in that story, you know, you, you might have noticed the part where, well, actually, they didn't write a lot about that. But I I call Brandon occasionally. I'll tell him things I've picked up, even if it's even if it's things that I don't where I don't I can't name a source or yeah. Um, I, I just want him to know. I just want him to know everything that's out there that we pick up, and a lot of things I can confirm. And uh, it's just information and, and knowledge, you know, to help make a decision. But what's not going to happen, what I wouldn't expect to happen, is I wouldn't expect a federal agency to make the decision for the community. Yes. Yeah. I think they'll simply relay the risks, and then it'll be up to the city to make the decision. If, the, if they don't, the president can make the decision, ultimately. I personally don't. I've never believed it's going to come to that. I still don't have confidence in the local leadership making the right decision, ultimately. Senator Kevin Kramer, we appreciate you taking the time, sir. You take a couple of hard shots on the chin from time to time, but we appreciate <laughs> what you... It. But really, though, you come here, you show yeah. up, you answer questions, people, you take them unfiltered and unscreened, um, and you're doing a great job for North Dakota, and we appreciate your time. It's always my pleasure. Thank you. All right, sir. Have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. You too. Doug Barrett out of the KNOX Newsroom. We're a little bit late. We'll catch up with local news headlines. That's next on Critical Thought.